Welcome to CII Radio. In this episode, we're talking to Melissa Collett about professional standards in the insurance sector. In this episode of the podcast, we're talking about professional standards in the insurance sector, and we're joined by Melissa Collett, Professional Standards Director at the CII. To find out more about this podcast and for useful links, go to thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts. Here's our conversation with Melissa. Hello, Melissa, and welcome to CII Radio. Hello, Luke. So you are Professional Standards Director at the Chartered Insurance Institute. Yes. Excellent. And um, if you could kind of start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and about what the CII are currently doing around professional standards. Sure. My role is a relatively new one for the CII. I joined 18 months ago. I'm the very first professional standards director appointed by the CII. And I was brought in to promote professional standards across the sector, both insurance and personal finance. Okay. So I really aim to raise awareness of good practice and drive ethical behavior through external engagement, doing things like this with you today, of a course, podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it's really important to reach out to our members our chartered firms, and our other stakeholders to emphasize how important professional standards are to the CII. Absolutely. I mean, you touched on it there that professional standards are incredibly important to um, a sector like insurance, um, which aims to serve the public and and trust is very much at the, the CII's purpose. Can you kind of tell us a little bit more about the, the CII's overall message, how you kind of go out there and engage with, with companies and members? Absolutely. So I think my starting point is always the Royal Charter. Of course. And talking about our purpose. Why are we here um, as a professional body? And I think our Royal Charter is great because it sets out our purpose really clearly, which is to secure and justify the confidence of the public in insurance and by extension, personal finance as well. So we, we have a clear purpose as a profession. It's to build public trust. And I think one of the key ways that we do that is by the standards that we have uh, uh, for the conduct of our members and the firms who are our corporate chartered members as well. And as we said, insurance very much is there to look after the the customer. Why are professional standards so important um, in in a sector like insurance? Well, we know that there is a trust deficit in insurance. Um, Some recent research by uh, PwC of insurance CEOs identified that 72% of insurance CEOs think it is harder to sustain trust in a digitized market, which which we were all in at the moment. And 28% of insurance CEOs are extremely concerned that trust will affect their firm's growth. Right, okay. extremely concerned is not just concerned. I mean, this is, you know, staying up late at night thinking about this Mm. and and being concerned for the future. So, I mean, those are just two examples. um, um, And there there are many, many others identifying this this gap in trust uh, amongst the, the public in our market. So, it's it, that we have a clear uh, agenda, really, is we need to close that gap. And one of the ways we're doing it, obviously, is through our 
a public trust index okay. because um, it's so important to when tackling a problem. Well, first measure the problem, and I think the public trust index is is so incredibly useful in trying to pinpoint the nine measures of public trust yeah. and then benchmarking those so they can be <clears throat> measured again and again uh, year on year in order to track progress, hopefully progress Absolutely. Um, in the sector. <laughs> um, I, I mean, it's kind of quite a general statement, isn't it? We need um, the, the public and, and customers to trust trust insurers more. But this public trust index that you're talking about really kind of... In, digs down deeper than that and really tries to find out where we can um, make a difference and improve trust with the public. And that's why I think it's 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 critical and that's why I, I always talk to whatever audience I'm I'm speaking to, I always direct them to the index so they can see for themselves um, the areas that have the uh, need the most most improvement. Absolutely. Um, would you be happy to kind of talk about some of those areas? Is there some of the report that you found particularly interesting or you can see there are particular challenges for, for insurance? So it's, it's interesting you ask because I was only on a panel just last night talking um, with the Insurance Institute of Cambridge. Okay. And this, this question came up. And what I said was that Looking at the nine the nine measures, so one of them is around claims, okay. and we asked the public as part of the research underpinning the public trust index, what do customers think about how insurers handle claims? And actually, the the response was uh, relatively positive in terms of handling of claims compared to what customers thought about loyalty. So loyalty was an area which customers felt uh, was important to them, but also where insurers were falling short. And that's obvious because, you know, we all know there's a problem. I mean, there's a super complaint out there about dual pricing. Um, We we do uh, support the work that the Association of British Insurers and the British Insurers Brokers Association are doing around pricing and general insurance and that that's why they created the guiding principles on this on this subject which um, hopefully should make a difference when it comes to measuring public trust and measuring loyalty again the next time round. Absolutely and as you say the, the recent super complaint did kind of further highlight um, that issue it, so it's about kind of now that we know that it is obviously a problem it's about finding ways to reward loyalty and make sure that kind of long-term customers feel valued and that they are valued when compared to new customers. And we're already actually seeing some, some, some innovation. Uh, So for instance, Aviva has a a really amusing advert on television at the moment. Yes. Yeah. I believe another one. Yeah. And uh, (coughs) where uh, 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 an existing customer is disguising themselves as a new customer and they're in this sort of, uh, a strange sort of corporate twilight zone <laughs> and they're being dragged off by um, some <laughs> some very uh, scary looking sort of policeman uh, when it's revealed their true identity so that's it's making a it's making a comment and, yeah. and, and about how um, existing customers are treated so that's that's a real innovation by Aviva so this is part of their Aviva Plus proposition. Okay. So that what which is 
to ensure that existing customers don't get a worse deal than new ones. Absolutely. So it's already evidence that big insurers are tackling this this issue kind of head on. And, and, I, I, and I've also recently seen RSA offer a, a cashback scheme to yeah. existing customers, again, to reward their loyalty. So we're, we are seeing change. Yeah. And uh, hopefully this will evidence itself the next time we look again at public trust through the index. Absolutely. When we talk about um, professionalism, the professionalism of firms, of, of employees, of insurers, what are some, are some of the key elements of professionalism in, in your opinion? So the way the CII approaches this subject, we see professionalism as having three key strands. First of all, competence. You have to be competent to do your Absolutely, job, yeah. right? I mean, everybody would accept that. But what does competence actually mean? So it's having the skills and knowledge to do your role, but it's also keeping that skills and knowledge up to date. That's a really crucial part. Most definitely, yeah. Because if you were, let's say, an engineer and you didn't have the most up-to-date knowledge about building a bridge, well, you know, that bridge could collapse. So you, it's, it's vitally important people keep that, keep that knowledge up-to-date and the final piece of competence is, is, well, who's validating that you have the knowledge and skills and you're keeping it up to date? We say that should be validated by an independent professional body right. like the CII so that customers know that it's not just somebody saying that they're competent, but there's, it, it's independently verified. <clears throat> yes, yeah. And I mean, you've spoken about the, the public trust index. Um, the CI does a great deal around raising standards. Can you tell us some, some more about what it, the, it's current, currently working on and, and um, some of the work the CI are doing kind of, and what you're, you're doing out there with firms and with, with insurers? So I think spreading the, the messages how important professional standards is for the CII um, and about uh, the importance of our code of ethics. That's one of the key themes that I think it's important to convey. When I go out and speak, for instance, to one of our local institutes, the first question I usually ask is, well, has anyone been to a lecture or yeah. a talk about standards and ethics before? And nobody raises their hand. And they haven't, no. So what that demonstrates clearly to me is this is not really forming part of people's professional training, whether that training is through us or through their own firm. I see there's a real gap there. There's a, there's a, there's a real need for, for more communication in this area. So that's why I think it's really important to get out there talk to our members, yeah. talk through our local institutes, for example, also through other conferences and events, and also things like this. Absolutely, Talking yeah. to you um, on CII radio is one way of communicating that, as well as through social media and, and other forms. So I think um, getting the message out there is key. And, and as I was explaining earlier, there are three key elements that um, we see there as being three key elements of professionalism. So we talked a bit about competence. Yes. Yeah. I think the you know duty of care, another way of expressing it is care for the customer. That's another really crucial feature because it's about acting in the best interests of the customer. That's one of the principles of our code of ethics, and it has been for a while. Yeah. And interestingly, the um, new insurance distribution directive also enshrines this now as a requirement for all regulated firms. 
So I like to think that the, the FCA has finally caught up with us. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, previously, uh, the requirement was treating customers fairly. Okay. If you, everyone remembers TCF. But I think acting in the best interest of the customer is actually a, on a new level. Yes. Uh, yeah. To that. So, but that's for us being a core, a core key component of professionalism um, at all times. And finally, it's about ethics, ethical behavior, yeah. acting with integrity, avoiding conflicts of interest. So again, this is part of our, some of the principles in our code and bringing that to life. Certainly, all, all incredibly important. Um, and touching again on, on ethics, um, how do ethics evolve um, in changing times and increasingly in, in the modern age that's becoming more and more digital? So that's a really um, important question that you ask, and one that I've been personally grappling with since I joined the CII. Yeah, um, okay. I think that um, every conference you go to nowadays, it, there's no longer any insurance conference. It's all about insure tech. Right. And there are so many innovations in our sector uh, around big data, data analytics, telematics, artificial intelligence, blockchain, internet of things. This is all cutting edge technology. Yes. And yeah. it's all already becoming a part of our sector. I mean, you, you already have black boxes in cars. You have these things called pipe bots which actually go inside your, your pipes and tell you if you've got a problem. People have wearable devices to help them track their, their health yeah. and well-being. I mean, it's with us. It's here to stay. Yes, absolutely. So we have to face up to those challenges. And of course, of, there's also the, uh, the InsurTech startups. A lot of them are supported by some of the more established insurance companies. But these startups are really challenging how the sector does business and interacts with customers. They're, they're providing customers which are, with a much more instantaneous proposition, an instant sign-up and an almost instant claim process as well. I mean, I think Lemonade in the US is, is quite famous as one of the most well-known insure tech startups. And I think their record is they've paid for paying a claim is, is within two seconds. Wow. Okay. Um, so with this, this ever kind of evolving technology, it's important that ethics and, and good practice keeps up with that. And insurers very much have to be aware of, um, of acting ethically when technology and their every day the way they work changes so exactly i think that it's i think there's enormous benefits for customers for all this technology in terms of speed in terms of clarity but i think transparency is an area that there are more concerns about because i think that people are are providing so much data yes and yeah. they they may not fully understand how much data they're providing and therefore what kind of data, uh, personal data is being used to actually price their insurance or even price them out of insurance. Right, okay. So that is the challenge for the professional body, in particular the professional standards um, and code of ethics. And that's why we've been bringing experts around the table, experts from the digital space yeah. and experts from, from some of the trade bodies to sit down together to talk about these challenges and in order to come up 
with a digital companion to the code of ethics that can sit alongside and help inform professionals how to tackle some of these new challenges ethically. Absolutely. And if there's somewhere that our listeners or our members can go to, to find out a little bit more about ethics and our code of ethics, good practice, um, is there anywhere you could kind of direct them to? Certainly. Our website has a wealth of information. We have, in addition to our code of ethics, which is on there, we have a number of practical guides to ethics for different types of audiences. For instance, a, a, a practical guide to ethics for smaller firms. Okay. All on our website. We have an online ethics course that any member can take. Um, it's, 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 it's a short module, yeah. um, but it's a really good way of sort of structuring your thinking about, about ethics and hopefully reassuring you that you're thinking along ethical lines. Uh, we also have ethics toolkits for corporates, uh, for our charter firms, so they can also use those to help them in their business and to ensure the, the right tone, the, they have the right tone from the top. So we have all of this available to our members and we're constantly seeking to build on this. And this is why next year, this is going to be one of my focuses yeah. is to actually uh, refresh and build on our ethics content that we offer. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like there's some fantastic work being done throughout the sector and, and, and a lot more to come as well from you uh, in the future. Melissa, thanks so much for joining us today on CII Radio. And uh, we hope it was of great interest to our listeners as well. If you'd like to find out more, visit thejournal.cii.co.uk forward slash podcasts, where you can find out more information and subscribe. Thank you again to Melissa. Thank you, Luke. No, no problem at all. And uh, we'll see you next time on CII Radio. Thank you. Goodbye.